0: All right. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you to today's edition of Bible News Radio, and I have to tell you that today, what we're going to do is I am going to offer you some encouragement. Yeah, I am. You know why? Because it's a gift. <laughs> and And really, honestly, in today's day and age, one of the things that I think is really lacking and I think... That we need more of is we need more encouragement. You know, what does it mean to be encouraged? It means to, you know, have your heart lifted. It means to, you know, know that there's somebody walking with you through what you're going through. I don't know about you, but, you know, when I'm doing stuff on myself, I'm like, eh, you know, it's really easy for me to get down and bummed out and stuff. But if I know I have one or two friends walking with me that can encourage me in my walk with the Lord, then I get through life so much more easy. Because, you know, we were created for community, and we were created to bear one another's burdens. And the Bible says in Galatians 6, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. So, this hour, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some encouraging news, um, and I'm and 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 also maybe you know a story or so that you know it might outrage you a little bit, but that's not really my goal. My goal this hour is to offer you encouragement, and so the best way that I can do that, first thing I can do is tell you, first of all, thank you for coming in, and if you're watching the replay, which I'm sure most of you are. Um, Thank you. You know, do me a favor, hit that like button and share it out on whatever platform you're on. Um, It actually does help. It definitely helps people to find the show better. And um, you know what? You never know what that could do for somebody. Somebody actually could get saved because you share the show. So I hope that you take the time to do that. And if you have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, um, please take a moment to do that as well because I... I would love it if you did that. Um, You know, we're trying really hard to get to a 1,000 subscribers and um, we're not there yet, but we're over halfway. (laughs) So I want to say thank you for that Um, and all that. Also, I want to direct you to our main website, hearttug.org. I know over here on the on the side of the screen. Did I do it right? Yeah. It says BibleNewsRadio.com, but our domain forwarding is having an issue. So just go to HeartTug.org. I mean, HeartTug International is the nonprofit that oversees this show. So here's the thing. When you go to HeartTug.org, you're going to learn about us. You're going to learn a little bit about what we do. We have this show. We have Bible reading accountability groups. It's really a discipleship group. Bible studies that I get to write and share, and also biblical counseling for those of you who want to get a little bit more support during this time, which might be all of you. Who knows? Uh, Just go there. You can read the site and um, learn a little bit more about what we do. So today, as I was thinking about the show, there's a couple things I want to share right at the top. Um, Last week, we did... Probably, in my estimation, one of the most powerful interviews I've ever done in 17 years of broadcasting. Um, Nagme Panahi was our guest, and I want to let you know that I got a little bit of backlash on that show, um, and I want to tell you that, that I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people disagreeing with me having her on, and I'm okay with you having your opinion that um, that you, that you didn't really like what we talked about, if for some reason you don't know what I'm talking about, I will tell you that Nagme, um, formerly Abedini, was was the wife of Pastor Saeed, and um, you know, Pastor Saeed was being persecuted for his faith in Iran, and um, a whole bunch of things came out, basically came out that he was a, a an abuser. And Franklin Graham sided with Pastor Saeed and did some stuff that I think, frankly, pun intended, is an anathema. I really do. And as a therapist, and as somebody who cares about the well-being of women, I will never side with an abuser. I I just can't. I can't. I cannot side with an abuser. And yet, the power of... Christian media and Christian influence. You know, one of the biggest things that we talked about in that episode was James 1:27, which says to um, to support the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. You know, and Nagme one of the, what she talked about, she really focused on that last part which we don't we don't hear a lot about. You know, being unstained by the world is hard, okay I'm just gonna say it it's hard we're in the world but we shouldn't be of the world and um, you know having looked at Christian persecution for many years and having um, worked in this area for many years, I can tell you there's such a disconnect because by and large and I know people don't like this but by and large the church the the churches in America, and ministries in America are run like businesses, right? Now, here's the thing. I do think people should be paid a wage for their work. That's biblical. Um, I don't think that a lot of what passes as biblical Christianity, so-called, is. And I think that a lot of people are taken advantage of. And... (sighs) The reason why is because the flesh is alive and well on planet Earth. Just saying. I mean, we all have flesh. We all have fleshly desires. And you can look throughout the whole New Testament, and you can see what those fleshly desires are. You know, greed, envy, lust, you know, gossip, slander, uh, all that stuff. And it, you know, we're supposed to be crucifying our flesh. You know, that means taking a nail and you know, crucifying it. It's hard. And I will say that, unfortunately, there are some sins that are more acceptable in the body of Christ than others. Um, you know, it's more acceptable to gossip, uh, to backstab, to slander, to steal in some ways pornography seems to be more accepted these days and it's not it's not just that men are addicted the incidence is women addicted pornography has gone way up in the last couple of decades um you know but these are the hidden sins right they're the hidden they're the hidden ones you know idolizing a name um you know one of the things that i have to really you know think about when i do do this show is like who do i have on I get pitched every day for guests. I have no lack of guest ideas. Um, You know, I had an opportunity this week to interview Newt Gingrich. um, And I turned it down. And I will tell you why I turned it down. I turned it down for a couple of reasons. Number one, Newt Gingrich, um, (laughs) even though he's a political icon of the right, why, why would I want to have him on my show? He doesn't really represent biblical values, in my opinion, given what his history is, go do some research on the guy. Um, you know, I also had an opportunity to interview Dr. Erwin Lutzer, who heads up Moody Bible Church and has been highly affiliated with the Moody people and stuff. I actually had uh, had an interaction with him at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention many years ago. He was rude to me and a little bit arrogant and snippy. And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, okay, I'll remember that, you know, and and the thing is, is it's like you, we have this hierarchy of different names, and it's like, oh, I can't believe you have that person on, oh, you know, and I'm like, I am so not impressed with names, and so, you know, I often have people pitch me a name, and I'm like, eh, whatever, <laughs> I guess after 17 years of doing a show, it's kind of like, yeah, I want to. But anyway, in this case, I have to tell you, Nagme Abedini, um, Panahi now, um, because her husband divorced her, by the way, um, by, by and far was probably the most articulate, direct, um, sincere guest I have because she doesn't back down from what the truth is. And, you know, she has nothing, zero to gain from coming out doing what she's doing. And um, so I just want you to know that if somebody, um, if, if there's a struggle with how you feel about what we promote, then maybe you should keep watching because we're trying to, we're not like other Christian media. I choose not to be on purpose. That doesn't make me very popular, uh, I'm not going to be a sensationalist and do this, this, and this in order to get a rating. I don't really care. I really I really don't care. I really care about the Lord, and I really care about people being discipled. And so I want to start the show with that kind of exhortation, but also I want to read you one of my favorite stories in the Word of God. It comes from Matthew ch- chapter 26. I love this story. I've loved this story with all my heart for many years, <clears throat> And this is it, beginning in verse 6, uh, it says, now when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, okay, first let's note where Jesus is at, okay, because this is about Jesus, right, Christianity is about Christ, Jesus is in a leper's house, Um. A lot of Christians today would never even go to a leper's house, let alone a leper colony or any place else, but Jesus was in the home of Simon the leper, um, who was an outcast, right? And a woman came to him with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this, and they said, why this waste, for this perfume might have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, because he's no idiot, um, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. For when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. There's a lot of stuff in this passage. I'm going to bring out a couple points that I've always loved. Number one, Jesus and his disciples are there. Judas was the one who spoke up about the poor, right? Judas, the traitor, the thief. The one that sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, that guy, um, you know, uh, who I've heard other commentators say Judas is actually the father of the social justice gospel, all right? Think about that, the social justice gospel right there, you know, it's all about the poor. Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus always said the poor, you're always going to have the poor with you, so we're never going to stamp out poverty, and it's not because we can't, But it's because of the sinful, wicked human heart that usually has dictator-type leadership, you know, above them, who, there's always going to be poor. Always. Jesus said that. I believe it. And yet this liar, this deceiver, this arrogant, twit, Judas, you know, was condemning this woman from anointing Jesus with very costly perfume. Now let's look at the woman. In that culture, women were considered lower than. There was a Jewish prayer that said something to the effect of, I thank God that I'm not a woman or a dog, something like that. And I'm like, okay. And yet, you know, it's interesting. The women were the ones, mostly, that funded Jesus' ministry. And the women saw who Jesus was. Jesus loved people he loved the outcasts he loved simon the leper he loved this woman who you know was let's just say immoral okay she was somebody who you know nobody in the right mind would ever want nobody on the christian right would want to deal with right because how dare you um and and yet jesus stood up for her that's my god My God, Jesus stood up for that woman. He said, why are you bothering the woman? And I have to tell you something, you know, when it comes to issues like domestic violence and other stuff like that, do you know, do you know how hard it is to get out of that situation? Do you know that on average, it takes seven attempts for a woman to leave a domestic violence situation before they either get killed or they get out for good? Do you know that one in four women in their lifetime will be a victim of domestic violence? And one in nine men will. Okay? These are high, high numbers. And that's what we know of. It's probably even higher than that. But what I will say is that you need somebody to stand with you. And yet here Jesus is. And think about this. Jesus was standing up in front of all these people that were in that house. Jesus was the one that was like, hey, Why are you bothering this woman? And this actually throws out the picture of Jesus as this wimpy little wussy looking man that a lot of people like Jesus, they portray Jesus as this wimpy guy, an effeminate guy. Um, I don't think so. I think Jesus was pretty buff. And, you know, I think he meant, he probably had body language that was basically like, really? Really? why are you bugging this person um hello you know because that's not cool and by the way just so you know um she's done a good deed to me and you haven't right you see they were so caught up judas was so caught up with the idea of the money that he didn't care about the woman and i actually read a um Uh, something in a book a friend of mine recommended to me yesterday, you know, sometime, you know, a lot of people believe it's better to look good than to feel good. Right? Well, the humility of this woman was amazing. Because it takes a lot of humility to not only be in the presence of all these men knowing how judgmental they are. But Here she knew Jesus enough to know that she was anointing him for burial. But here's the other thing in this passage. What Jesus said, I've never forgotten this. He said, truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. I'm going to tell you something. I'm talking about this woman right now. Wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached in the whole world, this woman is being remembered for her good deed. And my challenge to you is what good deed, or what deed in particular, if Jesus was going to look at your life and say, Hey, you know what? This one thing, I'm going to tell the whole world about you wherever the gospel is preached. Now, is it going to be a good deed, or is it going to be a bad deed? Is it going to be you being mean to people, and those under you, and you thinking that you're better, or is it going to be you being merciful, and compassionate, and worshiping Jesus? Is it going to be you being a real follower of Christ, or somebody who's just pretending to play Christianity because you're trying to get financial gains someplace, or is it going to be you saying, Lord, just like, you know, Mary, I'm going to sit at your feet, and I'm going to learn from you what your ways are, because you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, in the world of media, one of the the lines that you hear often is, is if it bleeds, it leads, right? If it bleeds, if it's gory, if it's destruction and all that, then it leads. Then you get the lead story because people are going to tune in, which inherently goes to our sinful nature because we always want to look at the bad stuff. Right? Well, I'll tell you what. My Savior Jesus, he bled on a cross, sinless, pure, perfect, pure blood for my sin. And that's what should lead the believer. Jesus died on the cross for you. Because he loves you. He stood up to wicked men in a culture where women were demeaned. And, and men often were too, depending on who they were. You know, and he took it on the chops, so to speak, in many different ways. Never having said a sinful word, having a sinful thought, Jesus was pure. He was holy. And I think we need to get back to the idea, to the belief that Jesus is holy. And we serve a, a risen God. He is not, you know, Christianity is in a game. It's not simply where we walk around playing. Oh, hey, you know what? Today I'm going to play Christianity 101. <laughs> that means I get my Bible, open to John three sixteen, read it, and I'm good for the day. Uh, uh-uh. that's not what <laughs> that's not what Jesus is about. Jesus, as I've read through the Old Testament this year in particular, I've been going through Jeremiah a lot. Jesus is a God that wants to know you personally individually, you know, he comes to each one of us in the time of need where he fills that need for us. and he's like, I'm here. I love you. Can I tell you about who I am? Can I, can I tell you how I can help you? Because I want to help. Will you trust me? You know, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, a very popular passage. says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. And all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or he'll make your path straight, depending on what version you read. The world that we live in is a violent, wicked, evil, perverse generation. It's just, it is. And you see that in the church. But those people are not believers. Those people are hirelings. Those people are wolves. Those people... Don't care about anybody but themselves. They pretend to, but when real persecution comes, they flee. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus never fled from the people who were going after him for standing up for what's right. You know, um, yesterday uh, I had a, a... Discussion with somebody, and um, you know, one of the things that that I grew up with was was being taught the wrong thing. I was I was taught not to listen to my gut. Just as an example, um, I was taught that what was wrong was right, right? And, and in Isaiah five twenty, it says um, that they will call good evil and evil good. Well some of the things that I was taught was completely wrong. I mean, flipped on its head. And it's taken me a long time to get those things flipped back and go, huh, you know what, you're right. I wanted to stand up against evil. I stood up against evil, and I got smacked down for it because those who didn't like the fact that I exposed the evil knew that they, they could be penalized pretty severely for that. It's it's no different with our walk with God. Jesus stood up to the evil of the day. He exposed the religious leaders for who they were. But he didn't do it because he hated them. He did it because he loved them. And some of those people came to him and believed who he said he was. They actually came to him at night sometimes and talked to him. And he had conversations and said, you must be born again. You know, and they understood it. It's like, huh, okay, how, do, how am I born again? You know, do you believe who I am? Who do you say that I am? Every day, people are coming to Christ. You, you might not see it, you might not hear it, but the reality is, every day somebody's coming to Jesus because he's the answer. And I have to exhort you and tell you with everything in me that you can no longer put that off if you're somebody who's rejecting Jesus or you're you're questioning and you're struggling, I got to tell you, today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, come to him because the days in which we live are perilous and he is going to be your anchor through all of this. Next hour, we're going to talk about some of the end times things that are happening right now. Not to scare you, but to encourage you that the time is short. I believe, um, you know, you never know. You could die today. I don't want you to die today, but you could. You know, weird things happen all the time. I actually heard a story recently about a woman who literally, um, she was staying home with her her child and a car smashed through her house and killed her. And she wasn't even out anywhere. She was actually in her house. So, you know, we don't know the day or the hour that we're going to Meet God face to face, but what I can tell you is, I would prefer you do it now, and begin to read the Bible and learn who Jesus is. Forget what people say about Him. Learn from Him directly, and and I guarantee you it will change your life forever. So, I want to read to you a, a story I found over here on. Um, it's called the Observer Reporter. I'm not even sure what state this is in. Um. But it's, uh, the, the article is titled, A Subway, a Bible, and an Unlikely Friendship. And um, there is a picture in the, here, but we don't have it on the screen, and that's fine. But you guys can, I'll tweet this out, and you can go look at the picture of the couple in here. This is good. It says here, it says, it's nighttime in the D.C. metro. A young woman rummages through her purse, finds what she's looking for, The subway slows to a stop as she hurries to get off and get home after a long day. A young man boards. Perhaps they pass one another. Maybe they don't. Either way, he takes the seat, leans back, and spots a white pocket Bible beside him. That young man flips the Bible open as the metro speeds up. He can't make out a name. Figures lost and found won't be able to either, so he keeps the Bible. He reads it daily for two years and then displays it on his Bible stand for nearly 40 more before finally reuniting the little book with its original owner. It reads like a Hollywood script, but it isn't. Earlier this month, after 38 years, George Kamenos of Maryland hand-delivered the White Pocket Bible to its rightful owner, Linda Brownfield Bradstock, a Uniontown native it was like we had been old childhood friend said commonos who met linda and her husband jack on a recent fall afternoon it was a really delightful encounter we spent a couple hours at her home just exchanging the story of how we got to this point and how the little bible connected us how they got to this point is oscar worthy george was one and a half years old when linda received the pocket bible I don't know whether the School of Nursing handed out those Bibles to everybody or whether friends of mine, a relative. I really cannot put my finger on exactly who gave it to me, said Bradstock, who studied at the Uniontown Hospital School of Nursing in the early 60s. I do recall having it, she said. After graduating nursing school and getting married, Linda and her new husband moved from Uniontown to Rockville, Maryland. That same year, 1966, Kaminos and his family emigrated to the U.S. from Greece. From across the sea and across the northeast, Kaminos and Bradstock moved close enough to run into one another, but decades passed before they met. I had just finished my undergraduate degree in the seminary, and I was changing career fields into computer science, recalls Kaminos. I was taking courses in the morning and working an afternoon shift. I usually came back around 10, 11 at night. One day, I found this on the seat next to me. It was a little white Bible with gold gilding uh, around the edges, so I knew it must have been a special memento. Kaminos said his first thought was, oh my gosh, somebody's missing this. He flipped through the Bible, tried to make out the name. He could tell the book had been presented to a woman named Linda, but couldn't decipher much more. Commodos didn't think lost and found could do more than he the owner might be a tourist impossible to track down in the big city so he kept the little book i thought wow i'm meant to be looking at this very very special memento i knew it had to be more than coincidence it was appropriate for me i was in between career fields and had some doubts i was looking for direction it kept me company for a while for two years, Kaminos read the Little White Bible on his metro commute. He'd say a little prayer for Linda before diving into the text. It helped me appreciate the King James Version a lot more, said Commonos, continuing to wonder whom the book belonged. Meanwhile, Brad Stock was busy working as a, hospital, as a, as a nurse at a, at a hospital in Silver Spring, Maryland, raising a family. She has four kids, all grown now. I suppose I maybe didn't miss it right away, she said. I must have thought I had misplaced it. It's probably somewhere in the house. By that time, I had several children. It could have been anywhere, she said. In 1987, while the Bradstocks enjoyed domestic life, commoners joined the Navy. He left the Bible behind, but when he returned to Maryland as a civilian government employee, he found a prominent spot on his Bible shelf for the white book. One day... Kaminos flipped the Bible open to the dedication page. The name inscribed Linda Brownfield, and address listed became clear to him. (laughs) Isn't that weird? He jumped online. I played around with the name a couple of times. I narrowed it down. It was a P.O. box. It said Uniontown. I saw there was a Uniontown, Pennsylvania. Uh, I tried looking up Linda Brownfield, and the searches weren't helping me much, Kaminos didn't think there was a relation between the few Brownfields his searches yielded, and besides, he thought Brownfield was probably a maiden name. Then he said, the page of the Uniontown Herald standard came up. It was like a light bulb. These guys are reporters. They can do a little investigative reporting. So Kaminos had recently seen a local news story about people reconnecting through the internet and social media years after losing touch. That sort of inspired me. He said, we're all interconnected. Um, He emailed the Herald Standard, editor Jennifer Garofalo, Garofalo. Garofalo. Surprisingly, it may be more than coincidentally, replied, he said, she had distant connections to the last name, Brownfield. She said, I'm keeping my fingers crossed and hopefully I'll let you know if we get a positive ID. Kaminos explained a few, year, a few days later, she said, yes, she was able to make the connection. Shortly after Groffalo passed along his contact information, Kaminos answered the phone, and a woman's voice said, "I think you found something that belongs to me." Bradstock described the Bible accurately. When Kaminos offered to the mail the book back, he was surprised to learn she lived nearby. I thought she was in Pennsylvania, he laughed. She said, no, we live in Maryland. I said, that's less than 20 minutes. We've probably seen each other in the supermarket. The pair arranged to meet. And we met Sunday, October 24th. We met in the fall of 21. I found it in the fall of 83. That's 38 years, a couple wars, and several presidents later. It won't be that long until the pair brought together by a little white bible meet again for a couple's get together that will include Linda's husband Jack and George's wife. He's such he's just such a nice guy, said Bradstock, who added she and her husband Jack are looking forward to meeting Comanos' wife who couldn't make the Bible reunion. I feel blessed and honored to have met them. They're such wonderful people. I think we would be missing out if we didn't if we don't continue contact with them, said Kaminos. Bradstock still can't figure out why her Bible went missing that evening so many years ago. It's a little bit of a mystery. That's where he found it. I can't think of why in the world it, it, I had it with me. She said, maybe I just carried it with me like he did for comfort. The comfort of that book helped carry Kaminos through his young adulthood. It's a beautiful story. It's a personal story. It's one that means a lot to me. We've got a lot of Bibles, but that one held a special place for me. It was my special companion. This is a very special Bible, but it doesn't belong to me. I'm glad that it's gone back to where it needs to be, he said. I don't know about you, but I kind of want (laughs) to cry reading this because if this was any other book, this this would not even be written about right and i just think that the lord is so good and there is a reason that those two met randall i'd love i'd love i know this is the first time you've heard this story i'd love to hear your thoughts here on this
1: you would huh i would well um well the fact you got a little white pocket bible with uh, gold edges i think it's a gideon testament Oh, yeah, yeah i'm Probably uh, the Gideons have been giving out the, well, the auxiliary, actually, not the Gideons. Right. The ladies have been giving out the little white uh, testaments uh, with Psalms and Proverbs uh, to graduating nurses, uh, nurses' graduation for, I don't know, <laughs> close to 100 years, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, probably about 100 years now. Anyway, so I'm going to guess that that's where um, uh, she got it. But, yeah, it was great. And then it's interesting that he couldn't make out anything more than Linda for 38 years. And finally, he's able to discern that it's Linda Brownfield in Uniontown. Um, that's kind of amazing.
0: You know, I have a Bible that my mom gave me when I was in high school. And I lost it. And I have prayed that I can get that Bible back. I read stories like this. I know that God could give me that Bible back. I would so totally love that Bible um, and all that. And that actually leads me to bring a question to you, audience. And that is, um, when you die, who's going to get your Bible?
1: Mm.
0: You know, Um, I recently thought about this, and I talked to somebody about who I want to have my Bible. If Randall's not here, I've designated a person in my will to have my Bible. A Bible is a um, very personal possession. It can tell you a lot about a person. If they write in it, if they write notes in it, which I do. I write all over mine, and I have lots of notes and, um, you know, different things. I I know parents that get a little bible sometimes they write little notes to their children and you know they give special bibles to their grandchildren and stuff like that um so uh, just something to think about i would love to hear your thoughts on that um, but that is good news and that's god that's our god right um i remember probably i don't know 15 years ago now it's been it's been something like that um, I I had always feminine coupon sent to my house. It was for Target. And I'm not going to share that whole story because I've shared a lot already. But what I will say is the people that I ended up meeting because of that, that stupid coupon, <laughs> which harassed me for a week, um, you know, God can connect people in various ways and in interesting ways. So there's no doubt in my mind that that guy and that woman reconnected to that Bible for a reason. And I guarantee you, if you begin to do Google News searches on the word Bible, you're going to see stories like this all the time. I bring them here all the time. You're not going to see them most places, but I talk about them because I, I think it's fascinating that God, um, that despite the persecution of the believer, I think it's fascinating that God continues to use God's word Um, to bless people um, in in special ways, ways that you wouldn't expect. And uh, um, so I think that's a cool story. All right, I want to bring up one other story, and that is over here on the Harbingers Daily. Um, This is titled, this is the United Kingdom, Let Us Pray Campaign responds to LGBT activists conversion therapy claims and aims to outlaw the gospel. Um, This is another long story to read. I'm probably not going to read the whole thing, but I will tell you, let's read part of it here. It says, a Christian group in the United Kingdom has launched a campaign to raise awareness of the government's attempt to ban so-called conversion therapy. If passed, the measure could prevent ministers from praying for those coping with same-sex attraction and their sexual orientation. The Christian Institute's Let Us Pray movement says the ban on conversion therapy aims to outlaw prayer, preaching, and pastoral care, but it shouldn't be illegal for churches to teach what they believe. Um... We want to protect the freedom of Christians to teach and practice their beliefs. The group's website reads, Christians believe in marriage between a man and a woman as the only context for sex. The belief is mainstream, biblically based, longstanding, and implies no malice towards anyone. Conversion therapy is a phrase used by LGBTQ advocates who say the practice is harmful to individuals and could drive someone to hurt themselves or commit suicide. Let us pray spokesman Simon Calvert told GB News that supporting the conversion therapy ban is essentially targeting the beliefs of evangelical churches and the people who worship in them. I'm just going to stop there because, you know, the rest we don't need to read. You can read the, I'll tweet this out, so you can read the rest. I just want to make a couple of comments about this. For years, I've covered the homosexual lobby and the agenda of the homosexual lobby. Um, And I have talked about this ad nauseum for years about how, um, you know, the advocacy, not only here in the UK, but it's literally all over the world because these guys, they will not stop until the message is silenced that you can get hope and help for change from same-sex attraction. God can heal anybody. And um, unfortunately, there's been so much propaganda out there about the whole conversion therapy thing that most people don't even know that even here in America, I think it's something like 33 states by now, um, it's if a minor who struggles with same-sex attraction wants to go get some counseling help, he can't because it's illegal. It's been banned in like 30-something states. That's sad, but what I will tell you is next week, if you tune into my show this hour, uh, I am so blessed to have Joe Dallas coming on the show next week. I have wanted to interview Joe Dallas for quite a long time. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity. Well Frankly, I haven't made the opportunity. I could have probably interviewed him years ago. But he has a new book out um, about the cancel culture, and what's really compelling about Joe is that he himself identified as a homosexual lived that way for many years, um, and then the Lord saved him, and he got out of the lifestyle. He's been a pastoral counselor for decades, um, and he's, he's, he's one of the most um, direct, kind, and um, sober-minded individuals, I think, who talk about the issue of, of how to help homosexuals and, and how to help those struggling with um, same-sex attraction. So I want to encourage you today to put a note on your calendar for next week. Um, because he'll be here in the first hour and what i want you to know also is that um you can get on my email list if you go over to hearttug.org, sign up i will have an email sent out as well about that i'll also send out my text message list um when when the show is on also i don't know randall if you wanted to say anything else uh well no Uh,
1: well i could um okay find the yeah there he is. Yeah, find the um,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> shot with the shot of me in it.
0: There you are. But You're so cute.
1: But uh, the Let Us Pray spokesman, Simon Calvert, was spot on. Says that the therapy, the conversion therapy van is essentially targeting the beliefs of evangelical churches and the people who worship in them. Yeah. It, it's not about, ultimately, it's not about the, the well-being and mental health uh, the one with same-sex attraction its to silence evangelical churches and the people who worship in them.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know what? I mean, that's part of, um, you know, we've covered this for a long time. If you're new to the show... I do have a series here on our YouTube channel, it's called The Marketing of Homosexuality to America, and what I did was I took the book called After the Ball, which was written by Kirk and Madsen, two homosexual activists, many years ago, and um, I literally went through that book, I painstakingly typed out quotes from that book. And I laid out their agenda, which was to silence the church and indoctrinate the church uh, with this unbiblical theology um, that you can't change. The reality is that you can change. Um, Change isn't easy, though. It's difficult. Uh, It takes time. And honestly, a lot of people don't want to put the work in to change. Um, You know, I, I... I understand struggle. Struggle is struggle is real uh, because sin is real, you know. And if if you know it's same sex attraction or if it's overeating or whatever, I mean, it takes it takes time to change things. So um, I want to uh, encourage you to do that. So, and also one last piece of news I want to bring up because we're going to close this out here in a couple of minutes is last night the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it was not the Yankees. I have to admit, it wasn't the Yankees. I was kind of bummed out it wasn't the Yankees, but I was super happy the Dodgers didn't get in and win. Uh, but they clobbered the Houston Astros uh, 7-0, to I believe was the final score. Uh, the poor Houston Astros, they went home last night and they cried in their, in their milk because they were upset that they lost. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh because, you know, Dallas is good just <laughs> Texas is conservative by and large but but um, but yeah I was I was happy to see that the Atlanta Braves won last night, the World Series and so I'm looking for recommendations for football teams I should follow for the football season uh, so I can you know cheer a team on preferably with a nice uniform because that's what I look for you know after that I figure out the talent and then I like that yes, I just said that out loud so. <laughs> anyway, um, join me in a few minutes, and we'll do hour two, and um, if you go over to my Twitter, which is HeartTug on Twitter, you know, HeartTug, uh, then you can actually um, see the articles I just talked about, you can read those in their entirety for yourself. Also, we appreciate any financial donation you want to give our, to our show. If you like what we do, please consider donating to, to our nonprofit, HeartTug International, where We here, our goal is to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time. Uh, You got to read the Bible. Get to know its author. Get to know Jesus personally. Realize he is sticking up for those nobody else will stick up for. And he died for you because he loves you. And I always say, be bold in your faith. Stand up and go with God, regardless of where everybody else is going. You go with God. Because he does love you. And, um, you know, we're here if you need anything. So just contact us through our website. And we'll see you in a little bit.